Welcome to Keeping Score. I'm Rick Haro. Each week we bring you insights from the playmakers, dealmakers, and rule makers in the world of sports. I'll give you my take on some of the items of the week using my 30 years of experience doing deals for teams, leagues, and players in the $750 billion business of sports. Plus, we'll talk with a central figure in the sports world. The views expressed in this podcast are my own and do not represent the views of Reuters. Let's get started. That time of year again, yeah, keeping score in the trillion-dollar business of sport, that's always very important. But February 4th is the anticipated rematch between the New England Patriots and the Philadelphia Eagles. They did it in Super Bowl 39. They're doing it now in Super Bowl 52. Having been at the Eagles game and marathon celebration, you thought we would have just won the Civil War. Well, we might have in (laughs) Philadelphia. Everybody really excited about this game. Who better to analyze all of this stuff is our resident football expert, sports expert, Amy Tenery, sports guru and digital editor at Reuters. How are you? I'm great, thanks. How are you, Rick? I did predict that the Eagles would be in the Super Bowl. Did I meet some resistance from you? Where were you on that? Well, no, I, as I seem to recall it, I bet against my own team, which I am ashamed of myself. I said that the New England Patriots were going to have too many problems with injuries to make it to the game, and you said, no way, Patriots are going all the way. So you should have bet me some money, Rick. I mean... Yeah, but that's like taking candy from a baby. That wouldn't have been appropriate <laughs> for me to do. I think we would have had HR problems at Reuters anyway. And the bottom line, by the way, is betting for money. Interesting you say that. Realize that the Eagles are opening up five-and-a-half-point underdogs, and Mm -hmm. it's the largest underdog, Ian, since the Arizona Cardinals lost to the Steelers. 25 of the last 27 Super Bowls since 91. The House won. The favorites won. The last one that didn't work, by the way, was 08, that Patriots-Giants game that everybody remembers. Of course. All the more reason why... U.S. Supreme Court ought to deal with gambling as a primary issue here because everybody's excited about it. Everybody bets. Nobody reports it. I think it's a very exciting matchup. Um, You know, I mentioned earlier that, you know, I was worried about about injuries, and I think injuries have really been a a key storyline this season. And it's an interesting matchup from that perspective. Philadelphia has, for all intents and purposes, a backup quarterback going into the Super Bowl. Uh, Tom Brady obviously was without Gronkowski for the vast majority of the ASC championship game because of concussion protocol. We'll see if that plays into it. He's down his favorite receiver, Julian Edelman. So I think there's a lot of variables here. And I think that with these two rabid fan bases, this could be um, just absolutely a game to watch uh, among you know many past games to watch. Playoffs already been a game to watch. We'll talk about that after the interview. And the interview is very important, by the way, because we're celebrating a one-year anniversary of Super Bowl 51, which was in Houston. Jamie Roots was the president of the Texans, but also was uh, an integral part of the Houston host committee for the Super Bowl. He has a lot to tell us, by the way, as we go into this Super Bowl, about what Minnesota should expect, about the Texans and philanthropy, and about how basically a lot of it all started with Super Bowl 51 in Houston about a year ago. So here he is, Jamie Roots. In our ever-evolving search for the classic sports entrepreneur, the brains, the brawn, the looks, the diversity, well, we found him, Jamie Roots, CEO, President, Houston, uh, Texans, uh, Greater Houston Partnership. So many things. How's that? Got a you lot like of that? hats. A lot of got hats. Lot, got a lot of, got a, Need them. It's hot good, here. It's, yeah, a lot of sun. Good to know you got a lot of hats. <laughs> 
So you're a bit of a fraud just on the outside because all of the articles talk about your lifelong aspiration being president of NFL team, yet um, Clemson soccer, uh, Indiana NBA soccer, 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 Columbus crew, and you end up here. How'd that happen? Well, uh, it was a dream of mine. Uh, as I grew up, I played football just like uh, all the other kids in our neighborhood. It's the highest level of uh, uh, sporting in the United States. Actually, globally, you think of it, it's as, uh, as big as it gets. And so I wanted to play on the biggest stage, and that was my objective, and uh, fortunately it all worked out. But so you came here in 2000, and then 2017, you run the show. And how does it make you feel? Uh, it's exciting. It's, uh, I mean, uh, you know, things I love about being here is, number one, the people. We have an amazing front office staff. Um, our ownership group is so supportive of the things we're trying to get accomplished, not only in the, on the field, uh, in the stands with our fans, but also in the community. Um, and just seeing the smiles on people's faces. I know the Houston Texans are important in the lives of our fans, and uh, that gives us great pleasure. And we do think we are making a difference for Houston. And we'll get back to the specifics of the Texans because it is above and beyond. But we've got a, uh, as we tape this, we'll know the results. But we've got the, the Astros run. We've got the Harvey relief, which is important, but not the core. We've got, obviously, the Texans. We had Super Bowl right. last year. What's all that done to bring the city together? Well, I think uh, a couple of things. Number one, I mean, certainly the economic impact of events like the Super Bowl or having the World Series or even just Texans games week in and week out or the Houston Livestock Show and Rodeo that's played here. All those things, tremendous economic impact. But it, uh, and it creates great quality of life. I mean, it's fun to be in a, a city where uh, exciting things are happening, winning things are happening. But the ability for us to build our brand, I do think around Super Bowl, that will be long remembered as the time when Houston took its rightful seat at the table of great global cities. Yeah. And uh, the amazing uh, interest, the visibility of our city, three billion media impressions from the Super Bowl, 100,000 out-of-town visitors, people that are opinion leaders from across the globe coming to Houston, seeing us at our best, and telling those stories when they go home. The whole relationship of a city regional support mechanism that is spawned, validated, evolving from a major event. That's important as well. Well, it validates our entire community when you are, the Super Bowl only goes to the best cities on the planet. And for us to have that seal of approval is incredibly important. And to build Houston's brand. I mean, Houston's the most diverse city in America. Diversity of people, diversity of culture and cuisine and arts and entertainment across the board. Houston is a fun city. If you want to do it, you can find it in Houston. But most importantly, Houston's a can-do city. If you can dream it, you can do it. And when you talk about Hurricane Harvey, those elements of the diversity of Houston and the can-do spirit were on display for the world to see as we addressed what was a really tragic time and turned tragedy into triumph. Before we talk about Harvey again, let's close the books on Minnesota and Super Bowl. Advice, I'm sure they pick your brain constantly. We got Super Bowl 53, 52. We've got a Super Bowl coming up in Minnesota, and that's the first one in the new stadium, second one there. Uh, what do you tell them? Well, uh, get some sleep, because uh, it is a, a, you know, particularly down the stretch, and that's when you can make the biggest impact. You, you spend so much time planning, and planning only gets you so far. It's about excellent execution. Hopefully they have the right team in place, which I think they do. I think they've worked hard to get the right people in the right place. And the National Football League is, I mean, they're, they're so good at this. I mean, they provide such great leadership. So I'm sure it's going to be a spectacular Super Bowl. And, and what San Francisco's takeaway is 
regional cooperation. What their takeaway is going to be Minneapolis-St. Paul. Your regional cooperation was pretty good, too. It was outstanding. Everybody came together. But that's what's so special about Houston. You know, the word uh, Texas is, in Spanish, is Tejas. And Tejas literally means friendship. And in Houston, we, I mean, we, we take that to heart. When, when we have an opportunity, when we have a challenge, we come together and figure out a plan. People work together for the betterment of the community. And that was on display uh, during Super Bowl. And let's talk about people in the hometown and J.J. Watt for a minute. Now, he's a Wisconsin kid, but you wouldn't know it. And all the money that he raised for relief and then his unfortunate injury, what has that guy meant to you and this town? Well, uh, I've been doing this a long time, and I've seen a lot of athletes, and he's a rarity, right? He's what I call the trifecta. And uh, these things coming together rarely happen. Somebody who's got amazing, off-the-charts, God-given talent. Talent isn't enough to have a second-to-none work ethic, right? And then number three, to fully embrace the obligation that you have to give back to the community and the privileged position you are in to, by your actions, inspire others to go out and make the community a better place. Rarely do you find those three things together, and J.J. absolutely has it. Playing for another 30 years, hopefully. you got to find the magic pill and give it to him because I assume he'll be a face of the Texans for a long time, Absolutely. transcending his football career. Absolutely. Well, he's set himself up well. Yeah. And very, you know, uh, enlightened athletes do that. They recognize that there is a, a shelf life, right? And so what are you going to do afterwards? And to the extent that you are kind of, you are the kind of ambassador in the community, uh, an agent for positive change, so many doors are open for an athlete like that, like well, J.J. and others. And so many doors uh, an athlete will go through and the ability to help others as well. So the idea of role model obligation, you hear Charles Barkley, I'm sure he wants to take that back. But athletes have uh, uh, an expectation and some empowerment, but also an obligation to do certain things. Well, they do. And, and, and really, the enlightened ones recognize the, the platform that they have for making a difference in the community. And it's not just dollars uh, and time, but the symbol of your involvement draws others. As an organization, we have the same thing. We talk about, you know, when there's an opportunity for us to step up and lead within our community and by our actions show others what the right thing is to do, Don Shula put it best. I know of no other way to lead than by example. And the example that we set, because we are such a visible entity, can truly inspire others to make the uh, city of Houston a much better place for everyone. And you have the ability through the, the Texans Foundation to galvanize and find uh, conduits for that kind of support. $26 million is yeah. the published number you've raised. Give us some examples of kind of the special stuff that the foundation has done. Well, I'll tell you, under, uh, underpinning it all, the United Way has always been important to us. We are the number one per capita contributor to the United Way in Houston, number one in the National Football League, always have been. And that's a broad platform. But we've also established what we call our strategic community partners, the Houston Texans YMCA, yeah. the Boys and Girls Clubs Teen Club, and the Houston Food Bank. And we thought we have the capacity to hit these three things with a banner of the champions for youth. And it's not just dollars, but there are a lot of dollars that go there. It's the uh, time of our staff and our players. When we have something to do in the community, we go to these strategic community partners. When we have opportunities to promote in our games and in our media, the uh, works that these organizations are doing, those are our go-to guys. So we've really done a, a fewer, bigger, better approach, hopefully uh, making a tremendous impact uh, in the lives of, of Houston youth and Texan youth. We talked about it earlier, but the nexus between Jamie Roots, the president of the Texans, and then the Greater Houston Partnership. 
Tell us about the partnership uh, generally. Well, the Greater Houston Partnership is Houston's uh, you know, preeminent, preeminent business organization. We have a board of 120 CEOs in the Houston area, and we're focused on economic development, public policy, international trade, it, uh, and uh, we're housed out of uh, Partnership Tower, which is really the front door for Houston. We have hundreds of groups of uh, dignitaries, heads of state, that come to our community every year, and that's the place that they need to stop and do stop to get a feel for what this incredibly diverse, fun, and can-do city is all about. Well, and you mentioned earlier the diversity, but the evolution of Houston as a world-class community. So in the 17 years, you come here, and Boston, New York, San Francisco, world-class cities. Houston, not sure, but you saw there was potential. How has it evolved over those 17 years? Well, I think Houston's uh, economy has uh, diversified. It really was a, uh, an, an oil and gas town, and it still is the predominant industry, but healthcare actually employs more people than the energy sector does. Uh, there are other uh, places, advanced manufacturing, and now focusing on innovation and the next wave of disruptive change. You know, if we can be one of the homes of a company like that that's uh, really changing the world through their actions, that will help take uh, Houston's industries uh, a step further. And the things that are happening at uh, the Texas Medical Center uh, with life sciences innovation is so exciting. So there are a lot of great things happening, and the diversity of Houston has really evolved over time. So truly is a world-class city. Uh, oh, you know, brands are built over a long period of time, and so as long as we keep at it, keep doing the things that we do well, Houston is going to continue to elevate in the uh, on the global scheme. And sports is rolling that. Yeah, well, we do have a role in it. We, we've got a role in our community and have an obligation and an opportunity. We talk about the Texans, three things. Win championships, create memorable experiences, and do great things for Houston. So what's next? I don't know. The, the ladder of success is best climbed by stepping on the rungs of opportunity. So we just are always looking for that opportunity where we distinctively can make a difference, you know, whether it's to the Greater Houston Partnership, our strategic community partners, or the response to Hurricane Harvey. And it might surprise yeah. people to know that out of Harvey with the Texans, Bob McNair, J.J. Uh, Watt, other NFL teams and the NFL Foundation, over $50 million was raised to positively impact lives from Corpus Christi to the Golden Triangle and every point in between. And so we're just looking for that next opportunity to make a big impact. One more comment on Harvey. Was there a coordinate? It, it almost seemed intuitive and not coincidental that teams uh, uh, use their roles to complement the public-private partnership, do their thing. The Astros Foundation talked about rebuilding fields, which was very important for them, things that Parks and Recs couldn't do immediately. Was there a kind of a coordinated effort or did it just evolve that the teams, the Rockets and you guys and uh, Dynamo and the, and the uh, Astros said, let's get together and figure out how to help best? There, uh, not, not really a coordinated effort. Everybody's operating in their own sphere and everybody's got different abilities to contribute and different desires and aspirations. But the important thing is across Houston, everyone was asking themselves, hey, our community's in trouble. What can I distinctively do to help? I'm just glad we live in a place like that. I mean, we don't we don't look for others to come in and solve our problems. You saw that with Hurricane Harvey, with and the diversity and the can-do spirit, with uh, neighbors just going out in boats and rescuing anybody they could. They didn't care, with black, white, yeah. whatever. It didn't matter. I want to save my neighbors and do what I can do to make an impact. And the sports teams did the same thing. You and Bob McNair kind of came in at the earliest stages when the Texans were just being created. Is there a view, a consistent view, 
about ownership as a steward for the next guy, as a public trust. A lot of owners talk about uh, a team as a public utility, in essence, that right. there is a certain obligation to right. do right but do good. How do right. you feel about all that? I'm, I believe it completely. It's in, uh, it's in our three imperatives, so winning championships, creating memorable experience, experiences, which is a contribution to the community, and doing great things for Houston. We see ourselves as the, the caretakers of a community asset. It's not our team. It's Houston's team. It's Texas' team. And we're here. We just have the good fortune to be at the helm, and we've got to make good decisions because it is such a, a, an important public trust. But not only inherit the direction, which current second, third, fourth owners of a team, but create the direction bestows right. an extra obligation on you? Well, we spent a lot of time on the front end understanding what the community expected from its NFL franchise. And fortunately, over a long period of time, we've had continuity within our leadership for the most part. So we could continue to day after day execute on that plan. The things we talk about today are the same things we were talking about in 2000, 2001. And uh, for the foreseeable future, that's the direction because we know this is what our community expects from us. So here's the exclusive headline-grabbing question, which you know has to happen. I'm not a journalist, but I try to figure this out. So how long is it until you and Deshaun Watson go back to Clemson and hold that trophy up together and say, this is ours? Oh, I tell what, you, that would be day? a dream, but it wouldn't be just Deshaun. It'd be all the Clemson players. Oh, yeah, okay. We've got I a lot of them on our them. team. We'll all get down there. That'd yeah. be great. Yeah, I understand. And he would be one of the reasons, as humble as he is, he would be one of the reasons. Thank you, my friend. I appreciate you. Really appreciate it. So James Roots president of the Houston Texans, and also the Greater Houston Partnership. He has a lot to tell us about a lot of different things. So let's start with philanthropy. Amy, what was your big takeaway from Jamie as you heard the interview? Well, something that was so interesting to me, and this is something that you and I have talked about in the past, is teams feeling like they can no longer justify their existence solely through economic impact, but also through community impact. Uh, what I thought was fascinating was he talked about not only the uh, – becoming sort of a cultural touchstone by hosting uh, the Super Bowl in the city, but also, uh, you know, be really stepping up and being a, a charitable force for good after Hurricane Harvey. I mean, do you think that this is something that, that I mean, obviously the Texans are doing this because they believe it's the right thing to do, but do you think this kind of philanthropy actually has a tangible impact on the Texans' brand? Yeah, and it's a positive impact in a season of great on-field disturbance. Their head coach, Bill O'Brien, survives. But, you know, they go 3-13, and 4-12, and 12, don't remember, but they were nowhere near the playoffs. And right. Everybody remembers, however, J.J. Watt raising or causing to raise $37 million through his uh, Harvey funding initiative. And he is up for the Walter Payton, as we said, Man of the Year Award, along with tight end Greg Olson of the Panthers and Ravens tight end Benjamin Watson. And all three deserve it, but I think Watt's going to get it. And one yeah. of the things that's important from – the perspective of Jamie Roots. And remember, he's been running Columbus Crew. He ran the Texans. He's been involved in the business community. You set a solid foundation, Habitat for Humanity, philanthropy, charity, through Super Bowl 51, and it's a lot easier for players and the organization to come to the forefront immediately after Hurricane Harvey. The Astros did it, too. It was a great year for Houston, obviously. But from the Texans' perspective, the Super Bowl made the building blocks easier. Yes, I think so too. And there was something interesting. I want to get your perspective on this because he he talked about how uh, you know when, when uh, I think you asked him 
what kind of advice uh, Minnesota sh should get from the Texans on how to host the Super Bowl, and he said, get some sleep. Um, but, but really, though, what do you think that Minnesota could take away from how the Texans handled their hosting duties uh, to really kick off a, a successful showcase? Well, one of the things which is ironic is I know the Vikings fans are disappointed, but from a checkbook and economic development perspective, Minnesota comes out better because you're going to have a lot more people from Philadelphia taking the trips and staying in hotels than you are being the first city ever to host the right. Super Bowl as a team. That's great, but people are going to stay in their houses or would have and go to the games and try to get as many tickets as they could. Now, I'm not sure if they want to go or not, but all those seats that would have been taken by Minnesotans are taken by Philadelphians and New Englanders, who are, by the way, also going to stay in the hotels and eat in the restaurants. So yeah. that's a good thing. But I think the economic impact, because it's a two-week event and the NFL has decided that they're experts on how to do it, will approach $300, $400, 500000000 million, where it used to be it was a five-day event, four-day event, made for just that weekend, and the economic impact legitimately was a small percentage of that. Uh, and also iconic, this is the first Super Bowl in the new stadium, U.S. Bank, cost over a billion dollars. It sets the stage for not only this game, but Final Fours, conventions, religious revivals, uh, uh, NBA All-Star Games, major economic events through sporting events, and Minnesota is sure going to practice how to do it. And no, that's a really good point, Rick. And, and to that end, Roots is saying that when they were hosting the Super Bowl, they had roughly a hundred thousand out-of-town visitors. I, that's that's huge. Um, so you're absolutely right. I, I think from that standpoint, there's that economic uh, a, a economic benefit aspect to it. And there's also, as you said, it's a brand new stadium. Uh, costs a lot of money. Might as well show that thing off. You know. Well, and the other piece of this, which is really important, that kind of emphasizes our philanthropic theme is for those two weeks, Twin Cities hosting many events, including some of the biggest exclusive star-studded events. Jamie Foxx is doing one, 3,000 apiece. Shaq will be there, Mark Wahlberg, Hilary Swank. I guess I'm going to have to be there to cover all of these. But here's the important thing. The Big Game, Big Give charity, they raised a million dollars in the one that Josh Brolin emceed last year in Houston. This year's goal is a million three. So this year, more than any, they're focusing on giving back for charity, philanthropy, raising money, as only the NFL can, in a city that's used to having big events, but now big charitable events as well. Sure, yeah. And I think, you know, as we've been talking over the season, obviously the NFL has had its share of controversies, and it's a win for everybody. It's, a, it's, it's positive press for them. It's, it's a good look for the city. It's a good look for the sport. And finally... The whole business aspect, we'll talk about it more as we get to the game, but $5 million a 30-second spot. NBC is expected to rake in a half a billion. They're tying it into the Korean Olympics with 21 million primetime viewers every night. So the total aggregate package is going to be nearly a billion dollars of advertising money when you finish with Minneapolis and Korea. And everybody's talking about ratings going down, and the NFL is, is, is a... a, a uh, franchise. But let's take apples to apples. The real key I'm looking for will be how many people are watching on devices, on iPads, uh, on iPhones. Because if you show me apples to apples reduction with young people not watching the Super Bowl, that's another story. But I do think this is a compelling game that I think a lot of people are going to watch. And I think it's going to set some records yet again. 
I, I agree with that prediction. I think it's a, a fantastic matchup. I mean, it sure as heck beats Jaguars, Eagles, not to rub salt in any wounds, but I, I think it's a great matchup. Um, and, you know, you're right. This is a blockbuster month for, for NBC. They're, they This huge advertising blitz for not only the Olympics, but also Super Bowl. I think uh, it's, it's going to be really fascinating uh, to see how this sort of business event changes advertising going forward. All right, we're done here except for one thing. What's your prediction? My prediction? Um, yeah, of course. You give Tom Brady two more weeks to heal that hand. I think Gronk's and? back in the picture. I think uh, I think the Pats are going to put the whoop on them. So I know the Eagles owner real well, and so do I with the Patriots. It's <laughs> going to be an amazing game that's going to be loved by all. Rick Harrow? Oh, no. A total cop-out. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> Bye. Thanks for listening to this edition of Keeping Score. The producer, Alex Cohn. Associate producers, Freddie Joyner and Ryan Warner. Assistance provided by Carlos Swadek, Tanner Simpkins, and Ronnie Sokatch. And the executive editor of Reuters Digital, Dan Calaruso. I'm Rick Haro. Thanks again for listening. See you next time on Keeping Score.